Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people doing extraordinary things. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. This week, it's episode 85. On this week's episode, we have adventurer, cyclist, storyteller, runner, and YouTube sensation, Ryan Doozer. Now, topping over 140,000 subscribers on YouTube, Ryan is an adventurer with a singular goal, to create content to inspire viewers to get up off their couches and to go and explore the world around them. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This is exciting. Ryan, uh, awesome. you know, it's fun to have you on. Of course, <clears throat> for some of us, before I even knew you, I was watching your videos. So it sort of feels like I'm talking to someone famous here. So that's sort of cool. Like, I wonder who that guy <laughs> is who's always doing these amazing stories. I especially like the ones, I wish I could remember the dog's name that you always sort of pick up along the way. One of your friends has this amazing dog. Mira. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, but that's an awesome one. Yeah, you, you know, you have become a storyteller yourself. So this is sort of a little bit different for us. So we want to sort of figure out how does someone become a storyteller? How does someone become an adventurer, you know? And I think what you've been great at sharing along the way is, you know, both the, as I guess, Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey is about, you know, sort of the highs and the lows. This isn't all just about, you know, puppies and kittens and so on. So Let's let's wind it back a little bit. I know you're living in Boulder now. Maybe you're a Colorado native. Let's tell our our listeners about the Ryan early story. Were you an athlete? Were you just a regular kid? And then we'll sort of figure out how this all turned into being a, a YouTube star. Right on. Uh, I am born and raised here in Boulder, Colorado. This is my hometown. I love Boulder with all of my heart. And I feel very fortunate that I was raised here because it is such an active town and the mountains are right outside. Mm -hmm. the door. So I did grow up as a very active kid. You know, a lot of times you look up to the football players or the basketball players. I looked up to the local elite runners in Boulder. You know, Frank Shorter lived here. Oh, yeah. I thought that was super cool. And a lot of the other famous runners, um, Uta Pipig still mm -hmm. lives in Boulder. And I really got into running when I was a kid in elementary school. We had a race in our school called the Mile Marathon. And it happened every May. And during gym class for about a month leading up to it, we would train for the big race. And then in late May, we would have this race. And it was about fun. It wasn't about going super fast. Although that's when I got my competitive spirit. I loved going as fast as I could. And I was one of those weird young kids who actually woke up early before school and went running to train mm. I mean, most, most of my friends were watching cartoons in the mornings on Saturdays and Sundays and I was out running for some reason mm. I really was motivated to be the best and that's essentially when I fell in love with running and then you probably heard about the Boulder Boulder 10k here one of the biggest 10ks in the nation and I loved doing that race my first time doing it I was six years old Wow. Yeah, wow. I was a young guy. And um, from that moment on, I just loved the energy of races, being around people and running and going fast and pushing my body. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I've, I've been an outdoor loving runner slash biker, anything 
under the sun is good in my book. Right. So, so Ryan, you, the back, back to that Boulder, Boulder 10 K when you're six years old. So I, you know, I'm a father of three, right. And I, I look at my kids and I see that they're seeing the world in a different way than I see it. Right. And it's almost like you want to, you want to see the world in the way that they see it, because, you know, I see it now, you know, through a different lens, uh, through an adult, which, you know, is, I, 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 I think it's overrated being an adult, really, honestly. But like, so tell us a little bit more about like, you're six years old, you're at a big race, um, you know, the energy that everything and number one, I'm amazed that you, you know, you were running six, you know, 10 kilometers at the age of six, it's rad. But so tell you, know, I mean, the best of your ability, tell us a little bit more about, you know, the lens that you saw, you know, kind of the Boulder Boulder 10k through a six-year-old and kind of how did that kind of progress to, to, to where you are now? Yeah. So in the mile marathon, that one mile race at my elementary school, I realized that I liked racing. And then the Boulder Boulder was right there in my town. And my family, my parents weren't runners at all. So they didn't really get it. But one of my friends, my childhood friends had an extra entry into the race. And he's like, you can run this with me if you want. And so I remember, you know, their parents talking to my mom saying, we'll drop him off at the start line and we'll pick him up at the end and it'll be safe. But, you know, as a six-year-old, you know, going to the start line with all of these adults all around me. And mm -hmm. it was a little bit scary and intimidating, but mostly it was exciting. And I'll never forget like the feeling of being at the start line and the um, you're on your marks, get set, go, boom. And then everybody starts running. And it was just from that moment on, just true love for the sport. Mm -hmm. And I remember finishing the race. It finishes in the local stadium here in Boulder. And just being like, okay, where do I go? I'm a little kid. Where's my parents? Where's my mom? And I remember before the race, my mom saying, just go sit in the lost and found section of the stadium and we'll come get you. <laughs> and so That's here awesome. I am navigating the world as a little guy who just ran, you know, 6.2 miles for the first time, just with a really big smile on my face and sense of accomplishment, you know, as a young person. You know, it's fun to play tag at recess or the playground games, but this was the first thing I did where I was like, wow, I'm proud of myself. That was cool. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. The mm -hmm. lost that I did, I've done the Boulder Boulder a couple of times and it is a, an epic event. The community, I mean, the, it's got so many people and they have wave after wave after wave and there's the slip and slides along the way and you know, people serving nachos and bacon along the side of the rides run. So it's, it is a really awesome community. And, it, you know, Boulder is a great community to foster sort of activity. You know, there's this mm. old story as you get a little bit older, which is that, you know, it's the place you go to find out how slow you actually are, right? Because mm -hmm. all of these world-class triathletes and runners and everyone who's got this great community. And um, we uh, had Vicki Hunter on, who is a Boulder runner, um, who became a reasonably good marathoner just living in the community. You know, she had never done anything. And then before she realized she ran a 240 marathon Olympic qualifier, you know. And so what was it like then? You know, of course, you had this great foundation starting at six and then you become a teenager. How did it transition like then through being in Boulder as you grew up? Like, was it always supportive, competitive? How did it feel? Yeah, you know, so I was a runner. I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be an Olympian. I want to win every race I run. I, I really had that competitive spirit. And my, I remember my mom was like, wow, like 
this is a little too much for me. Like <laughs> she can't even relate to like these dreams that I had because she's not a runner at all. And I would do these after school running programs. And, you know, then I started joining track and cross country in high school. And um, for me, running's always just been about exploration and freedom and getting outside. Yes, I like going fast, but it's an opportunity just to be outside, whether it's mm -hmm. snowing or raining or sunny. And um, I think that's when I fell in love with nature and just mm. listening to birds chirping or wind blowing through the pine needles or, you know, whatever it was. And um, it was, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, school can be stressful and hard and homework and hormones and all that stuff. But once I went out on my runs, that was like my alone time to really just think and ponder and dream and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah, and so you know, understanding kind of what what fills your bucket is 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 something I think that a lot of kids you know go through through adolescence, and and you know you fail at two, and then you succeed at one, and 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 hopefully you're you're better off for for doing that. So so acknowledging that you know what was filling your bucket was going and adventuring and smelling the smells and hearing the sounds and feeling the breeze and having these new experiences with, 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 uh, you know, human locomotion, you know, how did that progress? Uh, where did you, where were you at the age of 20 to kind of, kind of 25 to 35? Was there any, you know, significant role models, communities, like the, you know, the community within Boulder people you got in contact with that said, Hey, let's go ice climbing or let's go, you know, do this, you know, large, uh, cross air you know, trans, you know, whatever a bike race, any, any, any big role models that kind of took you from, you know, just filling the bucket to maybe progressing that to where we see now? So I, I would say one of my biggest role models was Frank Shorter. His son was one of my best friends in high school. So I had mm -hmm. secret sure. access to Frank. And I remember seeing his gold medal and I was like, whoa, oh my God, I want one of those someday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, growing up in Boulder, um, I had a little bit different lifestyle than most kids around me. Boulder's a very affluent city, but you know, I was raised by a single mom with four kids, so we didn't have a ton of money. And I remember Frank was really generous and he'd always get me new shoes. Hmm. And I'll never forget that. And you know, he'd always get me track spikes or whatever I needed. And um, so I really looked up to, to Frank. And um, you know, I was somewhat fast, you know, in my younger years. You know, I won this, you know, 800 meter state championship when I was in middle school and, you know, I was one of the best, but as I got older in, in high school, kids started catching up to me, you know, mm. and I wasn't the fastest anymore. And that was a hard realization for me, for sure, because I went from winning every race to all of a sudden, not even close to winning the races. And um, I got a little burnt out on running because I took it so seriously as a young guy. And that's when I started riding my bike a lot more and boulder again is a great place to ride a bike and just like with running i could travel on my bike even further and really go out and explore the open space mm. and the mountains around me and uh i remember thinking you know i'm never gonna have a car i'm gonna ride my bike for the rest of my life and never have a car mainly for environmental reasons because in my mind i equated cars with pollution and pollution was bad and we need to take care of mother nature Mm -hmm. and, uh, so yeah I know I when all my friends turned 16 and got cars I stuck with my bike riding at the high school <laughs> every day 
And now I'm 43 and I still have never had a car in my life. Oh, oh cool. That's fun and curious. Uh, as, uh, you know, the modern world can get the best of us sometimes. And we sort of, you know, acquiesce to the way that everyone else lives. Um, yeah, you know, I think whether we have big goals or not, or, you know, at some point it sort of all resolves itself to a set of experiences that are really how we choose to want to live. And I think that one of, you know, the uniquenesses I think of you, Ryan, is that you have made some very explicit choices along the way. That's just another example. You decided, hey, I'm not going to have a car. I'm going to use a bike or mm-hmm. I want to go create this YouTube channel and I want to do adventures. And these are things that I think a lot of people get sort of trapped into the world that we see rather than the world that we want to be part of. And, mm. uh, and so while it'd be fun to talk a little bit more about that because I don't think it's like a wake up like one day and I'm just like, you know, like, I don't know, I used to do a lot of climbing and there's the guys who lived in their cars and there were these gym rats and they were just, or, you know, out at the crag all the time. But I think it's just, it takes some time. Like what, what was happening? Like, did did you end up going, I don't know if you went to college after high school and then pretty typical kind of job path did you do that and then leave it or did you just sort of never even enter into that world so i'm very fortunate that i never entered the normal job world Mm -hmm. you know growing up again single mom four kids not a lot of money i mowed lawns all the time as a kid to, to raise money for myself to buy a bicycle or whatever i needed and uh i went to college at the university of colorado but I realized that I didn't want to get a real job after graduation. I wanted to do something more and do some service work. So I joined the Peace Corps and I lived in Honduras for two years, Hmm. straight out of college. And Hmm. that experience was absolutely amazing. I worked with wonderful children in a small community in the mountains of Honduras. And after that experience, I decided instead of flying home, which the Peace Corps, you know, they buy all the volunteers a flight home, obviously, that I would trade in my plane ticket, buy a bicycle and ride my bike home from Honduras back to Boulder. And the reason why I wanted to do that was to really process what I had done for those two years living in this small community and mm-hmm. also dream, have plenty of time to dream toward the future. Cause I know my best thinking is done on the seat of a bike and I would have 4,000 plus miles to think and figure out life you know, I was 25 years old. This was a very monumental time where I was, you know, becoming an adult. I was out of college, you know, it was time to work. And I wanted to take that time to really think about what I wanted with my life. And so when I finished my service in that tiny little community, I had become very close friends with all my neighbors and the kids. And I I remember, you know, tears were streaming down my face. It was a very emotional day, but it was also very exciting because I was just getting on my bike and riding it north all the way home to Boulder. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never been bike packing or bike traveling before. And I had a little trailer with all of my gear so that I could camp off the side of the road. And I just started riding north. And that was my first big adventure in life. And that's what like really got me excited about uh, 
just traveling by bicycle and at the slow speed and the ability to really mm-hmm. feel the landscape around me and, and meet all these wonderful people. And of course, you know, you're going through Central America and Mexico and everybody was telling me it's so dangerous. You shouldn't do this. There's bad people everywhere. And I have spent a, enough time in Latin America to know that I was going to be okay. I spoke Spanish and I, I love Mexican people. I love the, the Central Americans I worked with. So I wasn't worried about the dangers of the ride at all. I knew I was going to be okay. And um, the entire way home for three months, I met wonderful people who brought me into their homes and fed mm-hmm. me meals and truckers would stop off the side of the highway and wave me over and give me water and candy bars. And it was just like, it was such a heartwarming way to see the world, especially a part of the world where the media really does a bad job of portraying as just, you know, a dangerous, you know, war-torn narco land. Right, right. So, you know, ultimately that was an incredible transform transformative experience. But, you know, like we we focus on the transformative experiences and ask questions about what's happening during those transformative experiences. But I think that our guests, Ryan, could really gain to learn a little bit more about the, the, the choices leading into the transformative experience. Because I think that a lot of our guests and a lot of people that I look around in my community um, would love to do the things that you're doing, Ryan. But sometimes there's a tipping point in which you know, you're afraid of the messages that are sent about, oh, it's not safe, or this isn't a good choice, or it's too expensive, or, or something else, and you put off these transformative experiences, what these potential transformative experiences to the next year, or to the next decade, or oh, when we retire, and, and then they never come. So leading into that transformative experience, Ryan, what were some of the key components, and some of the things that you learned um, at, with your time in the Peace Corps, and kind of where was your mind at that place where you're like, you know what, I'm going to take a risk and either it's going to not work out or it's going to be an incredible transformative experience. I'm so glad that I, I, I made that. So the onset of that, you know, tell us a little bit more about those decisions that were made at that time. So go, going into this ride home, I was obviously yeah. nervous and scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. I had never traveled like this before. I was completely on my own for Mm -hmm. a lot of it. I did meet a friend later on in Mexico. Um, But I figured, you know, I just spent two years in Honduras. I learned Spanish. I was living on my own there, but I had a community. This would be my first time where I was purely alone. And it was scary Mm -hmm. for sure. But I, I knew, and this, it's interesting that I knew that this would happen, but I knew that good things would come of it. You know, I knew that Mm. people would, I would meet wonderful people. And I think when you go into anything in life with the attitude that um, you're going to be okay and more than okay, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to challenge yourself. You're going to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to see things you've never seen before and meet people. And, you know, I was just purely full of excitement before doing Mm. it. Um, obviously, you know, I was scared. My mom really didn't want me to do this. <laughs> you know, of course, yeah. Are you crazy? You know, I get it. She's, you know, my mom and she wants her son to be safe. And here I am riding these back roads of Guatemala and Belize and Mexico by myself. And uh, I just, I was really lucky that I had the confidence to pull it off because I totally agree that a lot of people do put off things 
and come up with 10 excuses why you shouldn't do this or this or this because you don't have the money or the time. Um, and But I realized like this is a beautiful time in life. I'm 25 years old. I don't have a job anymore. I just finished the Peace Corps. I'm heading out to be an adult, going back to the United States, going to figure out my life and get a job. But before I do that, I want to have this really big transformational experience with myself and the world. And I completely fell in love with the world while doing this. Yeah, and you mm. built confidence by having done that and why right. for the next 18 years, you continue on a path, probably again, the hero's journey. You know, interestingly, um, probably lots of our listeners also listen to uh, Andrew Huberman in the Huberman Lab podcast. And today I was running in the snow and no one's out there at five in the morning, but maybe Dave was in Canada. But, uh, and I was listening to a podcast with, Dr. Leah Crum, and she was talking about the science of mindset and human mm. performance. And the framing is all about whether you're going to sort of make it into a success or a failure. And I, you know, I did this six continent challenge. Everyone on the podcast knows, you know, in 2017, I ran a marathon, six continents, six days. And everything for me was the framing for me was like, oh my mm. God, it's exciting. The world is full of amazing people. It's all going to conspire in my favor you know, the highs will be the lows. And it was just the framing, the framing, the framing. And that's mindset, 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 which then puts everything else in context. There is a reality we live in, but if we only sort of go into sort of this negative scenario, then that's the reality that we create rather than the world that we live in, which mm. things can happen, that's living, but it isn't necessarily, you know, the obstacle, right? The obstacle is not the way, it is actually what we just embrace as we go along. So now, you know, you have this great success, you get back to Boulder and you don't realize in some sense what you're developing. These skills are easy to think about, you know, post facto, look, I built this great mindset. Uh, hmm. Because there's probably a lot of pulls to, by other people, family included to, you know, become traditional, which by the mm -hmm. way, for what it's worth, that definition is upside down, right? That, that the word traditional doesn't even mean anything anymore because we're talking about a different era. So mm -hmm. doing what you do and others like you, Ryan, are gonna be uh, it's completely normative because we're all throwing away this idea that employment is such a panacea. Like, come on, like you're gonna fire me tomorrow and I will be out of a job. I might as well create the life I want. So you get back, you know, you're 25, you got a whole life ahead of you. Now, over the next five to 10 years, did it just slowly build into this, you know, Ryan Doozer on his bike and just, you know, how does that, you know, tell yeah. us more. So it did lead to my career, essentially. I, had, I loved my ride home from Honduras so much that when I finished, I said to myself, I want to find a way to get paid to do these types of adventures and not just to be tough guy. I'm so strong. I can ride my bike thousands of miles. I can climb the mountains. It was more to inspire potential viewers and readers about this lifestyle that they could do it too. And it was, you know, something that we did have to change our mindset about, you know, growing up, it's like you go to high school, then you go to college and then you get a good job and then you buy a house and that's a successful life. And I luckily at a young age realized that that wasn't really for me. So I finished the ride home from Honduras. The day I rolled into Boulder was a beautiful freezing cold day in Boulder, you know, blue skies. 
And my mom was there waiting for me. And she gave me a big hug and she said, don't ever do this again. <laughs> and, I, and I understand she was nervous pretty much every day for me being out there on these roads. And, uh, but in my mind, I was like, I don't know, mom, I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm going to figure out a way to do it. So side story, when I was riding home, I was writing weekly articles for the local newspaper in Boulder called the Daily Camera just documenting mm. my journey. I love reading, you know, adventure stories and National Geographics. And this was my chance to be like one of those guys. And so I wrote a weekly article and I also had my little Sony Handycam and I filmed the entire adventure with the goal of someday making like a short documentary about it. So I got home and I instantly started editing my footage together. I used some of the money that I made as a Peace Corps volunteer, which wasn't much. I bought a Mac Apple computer and started editing a, a little teaser trailer for, for, the, for the adventure. And I submitted it at the time to the Travel Channel, the National Network Travel Channel. They had a show where they played people's vacation footage essentially. And it was picked up to play on this show. And I was so excited, it's gonna be on national TV. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, this is, this is my entry. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be like an adventure travel show host, hopefully inspiring viewers to, to do things out of their comfort zones and challenge themselves and learn about different cultures and people and languages. And that's essentially how my life as a storyteller started, was that ride and documenting it in the way that I did. And so, you know, there's, we live in an interesting time with YouTube and with social media. It's gotten a lot easier um, to either hear stories or, or to tell stories. And so I, I love, I love the fact that we live in 2022 and that we could all be inspired by somebody going out and doing something inspiring to, to, to forge us on to doing, doing something. Um, I want to go back a little bit. I want to put a pin in that for a second and get back to there, but you know, let's go back a little bit to your mom, because, you know, time and time again on this podcast, you know, Joe, we always get these guests who come on, who are risk takers, who are adventurers, and I love it. But, you know, there's always this teeter-totter in life and where there's somebody out there saying, hey, I want to go and do these adventures. There's almost always somebody else on the other side saying, yeah, but what about the safety? What about the, and I could speak for you know myself personally, like when I was running across Canada in 2018, I had to call my mother twice a day mm -hmm. because she was sitting there staring at my live tracker, absolutely terrified about the things that she didn't quite understand in the world, but yet she was told and, and, and living in that space of fear, which I totally understand. So thank God for, for, for moms, right? Yeah. And, and for the people that love us that say, okay, well, what about the fears and concerns? You know, but of course yourself living kind of this, this alternative lifestyle where you're not a lawyer, you're not a doctor, you're not an engineer, you don't have like a, a, a regular traditional um, job. Are there still a lot of people in your life that, that will say, well, yeah, but <laughs> this at Thanksgiving dinner or, or otherwise? I think I'm finally at the point in my career where people do get it, but I definitely struggled with everything you said, where people are like, you know, they would joke at a party, ha ha, dudes, this is cool, but when are you going to get a real job? Right. And in my mind, I thought it was a very real job, what I was doing. And it was a little offensive to me to get those kinds of questions. I obviously understand 
Um, but my mom was always terrified of all of my adventures. And just like you, I call her every single day mm -hmm. um, from wherever I was to let her know that I was safe. I've got my tent set up and you can go to sleep easy, mom, just to mm -hmm. make her life a little bit easier. That was kind of part of the deal. Uh, we're everything to my mom. Right. And uh, I just, I don't want to, you know, drive her nuts like that. It's not my goal in life. You know, mm -hmm. I obviously want to follow my heart and my passion and do what I love. But, I, you know, I don't want my mom to constantly be terrified and nervous. So calling mm -hmm. my mom was a big one. And then, you know, I got a degree in broadcast journalism. Most of my friends were off you know, getting reporter jobs or anchor jobs or working in the real media. And um, they were making real money. And here I am trying to start my career, you know, on public access TV in Boulder, where I'm not getting paid a dollar, but I am gaining some experience. But it's scary because I don't know if this is ever going to work out, but I keep doing it because I love it. And luckily, I live in mom's basement during this time. She's nice enough to let me live for free in the basement. So I don't need to make a lot of money. I'm very privileged mm. in, in this situation. And I just slowly kept on creating content. I was relentless. YouTube just came out in about 2005. Online video became a thing. The same newspaper that I was writing articles for wanted to do online video. So I started doing a video a week with them, like an outdoor adventure video. And I was like, I was called the out there guy where I was going to inspire you to get out there and get off your couches. And I would run around Boulder and do these simple adventures that were accessible to everybody. The things I did weren't, you know, just for elite athletes. It was hopefully to inspire the average person to be like, hey, you know what, that looks like fun. I want to go do that. And that's really been the theme of my content ever since day one is I, my goal is to inspire people to get outside in whatever way, shape or form they want to do that. And um, now, you know, after, you know, many, many years of doing this with my YouTube channel now, I actually, I make love, I make a living. I make uh, all of my money through YouTube and people understand. But there were many years where people were like, you know, what are you doing? You're barely making any money. You don't have health insurance, you know, all the practical questions that people worry about. But I was pretty focused and motivated on my goal. Like, this is going to work. I just got to keep on going and going and going and going. And uh, here we are. <laughs> well, That's you know, awesome. it's, uh, it's great because, you know, sometimes it's about, you know, I, I listen, just keep listening and always think like, well, who's to judge anyway? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not here to judge mm -hmm. you, nor is Dave and your vice versa. And like, why would we care about the path that someone takes, especially if it's productive and mm -hmm. for them? You know, I think it's one of the shifts we got to make in, in our lives and, you know, creating that sort of, um, you know, whatever. I always love the, you know, the Latin word for inspire is to breathe air into. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, and to do that for more people might actually be better rather than the, so the rote, you know, pretty much constrained life that a lot of people live because of what they believe these constraints are that they can't get out of. So, mm -hmm. um, but there is, you know, there's a lot to building this, you know, it's like, so if you're going to do this as a lifetime, it's not just riding a bike, right? You have to figure out where to go, what's the story you're going to tell, have technology that you can broadcast from. You know, I always think, you know, I've been blogging for a long time. No one wants to read rants. And so, you know, you have to balance, you know, the reality of what happened with, uh, 
with you know the positivity right mm -hmm. so how did you develop your voice through this period of time it, did it evolve was it natural did you practice like because the voice is pretty clear now but i'm sure in the beginning if it went back it would be a little different yeah if you watch my very old youtube videos which i don't want anybody to watch <laughs> horrible <laughs> but i leave them up there because it's part of my journey yeah. You know, it did take a while for me to find my voice and how I wanted to present the stories. I think at the beginning, like when I was back in my mid-20s, I was really influenced by like MTV hosts that were like kind of loud and over the top. And, you know, I do have a lot of energy, and I, but I emulated them. And so when I look at those old videos that I made, I, I kind of cringe because I'm kind of like that. Um, but <laughs> over many, many years of telling stories, I think I have found my voice and my voice is just very genuine and natural. And I talk to the audience in the way that I would talk to you right now on this podcast, or I would talk to my mom at the dinner table. And um, I talk about the highs and the lows and the, the very hard parts about doing everything. You know, I've talked on my channel about quitting alcohol and the struggle mm -hmm. with that and going through heartbreak. Uh, you know, all sorts of different things. And uh, if you watch my channel now, I think you really, if you watch a few of my videos, you'll get a sense of who I am as a person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. What you see is what you get. I'm not, you know, you know, just reciting a script just to sound cool. Like what I say is what I say to my friends. And uh, I, I feel really good where I'm at right now with yeah, I mean, how I present stories. You know, and I agree, Ryan. I, 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 I see that there's been a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know what comes with what comes first, maturity or authenticity, because I think you mature into your authenticity. You become ultimately secure in who you are, and that comes through in, in the storytelling. Um, and, uh, you know, I see that in your videos, and, and it's, it's maybe even one of the gifts that, 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 you, that you give that you don't even know that you're giving. You know, I, I, you know, back to kind of Joe's um, comment about, you know, the, you know, you know, who are we to judge about, you know, what's valuable and what's not, you know, I've got three kids and, you, you know, they love watching other people on YouTube playing video games, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I keep walking by them thinking like, what, what is this, you know, like what, what, you know, this, there, there's, there's nothing good in the world here, you know, but yet it's entertaining. And the other day, you know, my, my 11 year old daughter was watching these and, and she really likes watching these videos about ant farms and ants. And I was thinking, I don't, I don't get it as well too, but I sat down and I was rolling out an issue in my quad and IT band. And, and I actually spent a half an hour watching this and, and, you know, this guy has like over a million subscribers. It's incredible, but you know, he's telling stories about the animal kingdom and ants and how so intelligent they are. And, you know, to a degree that my daughter um, just keeps watching these over and over again. She's learning so much about the animal kingdom and, and, and you know, and the, the balance that we all are trying to find in the year 2022 with, with, with our world, but also creating this incredible interest in science and now ultimately wants to learn more to then ultimately give back as maybe a young adult. And I thought, wow, what a gift, you know, that storytelling is the ultimate gift that you could give the world of your interest and maybe your interest might peak at least even if it peaks one person person's interest so so let's talk a little bit more about that about 
a lot of the intent with with Doozer TV and 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 when it comes to you know what do you what's 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 your main intent what's your drive what's your hope that a lot of your audience would take away from watching these videos and and being being motivated in the way that they do my goal since day one when i started on the public access tv was to inspire people to get off their couches that was actually my tagline right. at the end of every video where i would look into the camera and say now you've seen all these adventures now get off your couch and get out there and that really is the goal. I didn't start a YouTube channel to be a millionaire. I don't do it for money. Um, I personally obviously wanted to go on some amazing adventures and share stories with people. But the goal is to spark that in, in, in some viewers. And I get emails every day from people who randomly run across my videos saying, hey, I, I saw this video. I'm not into bikes at all, but for some reason, you know, I got, I was enthralled with what you were doing. And, you know, I pulled my bike out of the garage and I pumped up the tires for the first time in 15 years. And those are the emails that I, I love getting the most. And I want people not only to be inspired to get outside, but be inspired to, you know, interact with their neighbors more or different mm -hmm. countries and cultures and just see how beautiful this world is. Because I've had such an amazing time on this planet so far and i really show that through my videos and i realize that not everybody can travel and there are some limitations but they can travel through my videos mm. and i really mm. think it's important to show the world in a, in a good light and i get emails from people from outside of the united states who say wow i look at your country through the lens of the news and it's scary and weird and I have this, you know, bias towards Americans, but then I watch your videos and you're showing me a completely different side of the United States mm -hmm. as you interview these wonderful people in small town America. And I just wanted to thank you for, for showing me that. So I really take pride in, in, in those types of uh, moments um, in, in my videos. You know, I love showing off the best landscapes, and I, but I also, I think the biggest thing for me is meeting people along the way and sharing their stories. And it's really fun. You do a very good job of that. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. It's really what this, this world should be more about. You know, the other thing, Ryan, would be fun to touch on a little bit. I always had this sort of mindset in my life, you know, it's always no until it's yes. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I was the biggest meat eater in the world and there's no way I would ever have ever become a vegetarian. That was impossible, you know? And I used to similarly drink alcohol, but 15 years ago, stopped because it was affecting my actually my cycling performance at the time it didn't contribute and these were all no's until they were yeses and this is so much of what you reflect back out to your listeners is it's no until it's yes but it doesn't mean it's easy right that doesn't mean that mm. because we just sort of like can see it afterwards so you've had a couple of sort of these kind of parts of your life where, you know, especially you've talked about, you know, also giving up alcohol and this isn't, a, we don't, not against it in, in the humanity kind of sense, but individually, it is an important part of some of the decisions that people make. Maybe touch a little bit on that and any others that you sort of, you know, you had to work through because they were really part of the way you wanted to evolve your life. Yeah, you know, um, quitting alcohol or those other things in life have only brought about positive results. 
And it's mm -hmm. something that everybody does, you know, everybody, you know, after a run or a bike ride, let's go get beers over here or over there. And I totally get it. Um, and it's fun. Alcohol is great. People all over the world drink alcohol. And most people, I think, drink responsibly. I wasn't really one of those people. I always took it too far. And I always say that I have one speed in this on this planet and it's turbo <laughs> speed, no matter if I'm running or biking or whatever. And I took that mm -hmm. with drinking too. And I would, you know, go pretty bonkers every time I, I would have alcohol. And um it was hard for me to even consider quitting because it was such a part of my life and what I did on a social level. Um, but, uh, you know, quitting alcohol has been one of the best decisions of my life. And throughout my entire life, you know, I look back at all the big decisions I've made and yeah, I, you know, getting a nine to five job may have been easier. I would have had a monthly paycheck and, and, healthcare and all that other stuff, but it's not what I wanted to do. It's not what my heart and soul wanted to do. I really wanted to build up my own voice and I didn't quite know how that was going to happen. I mean, online video wasn't a thing when I was going to college, getting a degree in broadcast journalism, um, but I just slowly and relentlessly kept moving forward. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I've you know, accomplished what I've accomplished, but there's been many moments where I've second guessed what I'm doing. How mm -hmm. am I going to pull this off? Am I ever going to make real money? Am I always going to like be super poor? And, you know, what if something happens to me and I do get injured and, you know, health insurance becomes an issue. Um, and, uh, you know, even when I've, I've had successful moments in life, I get scared. I'm like, oh God, like I'm 43 years old. How much longer can I be an adventure YouTuber? How much longer can I keep this up? And so I'm constantly, you know, thinking mm -hmm. about all of these things for sure. But mm -hmm. um, I do know deep down that this is what I'm meant to be doing on this planet. Like I feel most alive when I'm out there and documenting these stories and then sharing them with my YouTube audience, you know? Yeah. I haven't made much money in my career, but when I get those emails from people saying, Hey, I watched your videos and I started riding my bike and I lost 40 pounds and it's all because of you. That's what I call the emotional paycheck. You know, mm -hmm. I don't have a huge mm -hmm. bank account, but I know that I'm creating value and people are actually watching my videos and it's influencing them in a very positive way. And at the end of the day, when I go to sleep, I'm happy. And when I wake up, I'm psyched to get going with whatever, I choose to do and whatever story I want to tell. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Ryan, it's, it's, it's great to hear that, you know, that you're acknowledging where the, you know, the chords are being struck, you know, and, 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 and number two is it's ever changing. I mean, you know, even the, you know, your discussion about, you know, quitting drinking and the positive, you know, you know, effects that it's had in your life, you know, I think that's a universal uh, with anyone, you know, understanding where your soft spots are. Yeah. And, you know, I was just talking to my girlfriend the other day and her soft spot is shopping. She feels a little bit bad and she wants to go buy shoes. You know, this is something that I don't understand. Um, I don't really, you know, like, I don't really care about shoes. I care about my running shoes, but that's, mm -hmm. that's ultimately about it. And the only shoes I wear now are my old, you know, out and about or my old runners that have you know run too many miles in them. Right. So I'm not really the fashionista, but understanding your soft spots and so i think that's a universal thing ultimately ryan you know people listen to people people connect with people 
And, you know, and maybe that's, 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 that's another piece of the storytelling opportunity and being a content creator in 2022 is, you know, it's an ever evolving, changing story. It might not necessarily, what, what you're, the story that you're telling this year might be a very, very different story that you're telling next year. You, at the age of 43, you know, I'm, I'm 41 years old, you know, we still have our bodies and our, and the abilities to be able to do these things. Um, and, and even more so in our thirties and our twenties, but you know, now you're gaining a certain wealth of wisdom uh, upon spending time on the planet where you're like, wait one second, let's, let's talk about our soft spots mm-hmm. and what am I doing in my life? And what, what are you doing? And, and, and so ultimately where do you kind of see like, I, I don't know, this is an impossible question, but you know, in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, where do you kind of see your storytelling kind of moving and, 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 and because it's what I love about your story, Ryan, is that you're always willing and accepting to adapt um, to the ever changing, you know, world around us. Yeah. And you're doing that, but kind of where do you, where do you, where do you see this going? You know, I will always be a storyteller for the rest of my life. And it'll probably be a big part of my career and how I make money. You know, I, I see myself in five to 10 years telling a lot more stories about other people. You know, a lot of my channel right now focuses on me and my adventures and overcoming the challenges. And of course, I meet people along the way who I highlight, but I would like to dive deeper into those stories because I've met people, you know, there's a big event in Iowa where people ride bikes across the state. And I met a guy once named Luke, who was at one time 500 pounds. And his doctor mm. told him that he would die if he didn't become healthier. And Luke randomly found my videos online and started riding like crazy and lost well over 200 pounds. And he feels better than ever. And so I would like to follow the stories of people like that and really dive deep. And because I think people, when they saw Luke for the first time on my channel, they're like, oh my God, this story is incredible. That is so inspiring. Whereas Luke himself probably doesn't think of himself as an inspiring person. Mm-hmm. He is. And so many people can relate to his story. And so I would love to, to focus on other people's triumphs. And, you know, I see myself being more of a, a motivational speaker. I go into schools right now and I talk to kids all the time and I, I love connecting with the audiences and telling kids that, you know, this is what I've done with my life and it was hard and scary, but it's also amazing and the risk far outweighs um, any, or the, the rewards far outweigh all the mm-hmm. risks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe writing some books and just continue telling, telling the story. And to your point earlier, I think, you know, with the alcohol story, people can relate to alcohol, people can relate to heartbreak, and mm-hmm. things not going the way they want to go. Um, but they can't always relate to 100 mile races or riding your bike <laughs> three months across the country, they might think that's cool. And they'll watch it to a degree. But when I whenever I talk, you know, from my heart about hard mm-hmm. stuff that all humans can relate to, I think that's what really makes my channel and makes me much more of a real character as opposed to this superhero who's always on top of the mountain and accomplishing everything and, you know, everything's so great. Right. Right. And I agree, Ryan, like I, you know, that brought up a conversation, you know, that what you just said there brought up a conversation I had a couple of days ago with, with a friend of mine. And, and because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be running across Canada in May and it's, you know, a lot of miles every day for over a couple of months. And, you know, it's something that the average person can't, 
quite grasp, right? Um, because it's something that's way out of their wheelhouse. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, I'm scared as hell. It's way out of my wheelhouse too. Um, but, you know, when the conversation kind of molded and it came to a point in which I said, you know, ultimately it's about acceptance. And the acceptance of how you are currently feeling in the moment and are you okay with this? And the idea that it's not going to get any better for the next many weeks. Mm-hmm. And are you okay? Yeah. And she said, yeah, like every single workout I do, I am thinking of how quickly I can go and find comfort or, you know, you know what I'm going to eat after or like whatever it is, or that park bench, I want to go sit down and because she can't accept how she's currently feeling in that moment. The very same way that in, you know, COVID times, you know, with government restrictions and all these different things that are happening, we have a really hard time accepting what's happening around us and so when it comes to if you can accept you know whatever's happening in front of you there's a better likelihood you're going to be happy in the moment and be here now and so i think that you know when it comes to adventure science ryan like you said a lot of people can understand you know a hundred mile race but you know also if you can storytell and tell a meaningful story that can end up making people feel like, hey, it's not any different than day-to-day life. It's not any different than dealing with a, a, a disgruntled uh, employee or deal, difficult with dealing with you know, marital issues. Or they, These are real-life issues, and an issue is an issue no matter what you're doing. Then it translates and makes people feel a little bit more empowered. W- would you agree? Absolutely. And I talk a lot about on my channel how you know everything I do I choose to do these hard things, whether it's right. the Leadville 100 or riding my bike thousands of miles. Um, I'm choosing this moment. And, but mm-hmm. what those challenges do is it gets me ready for when life hands me difficult moments that I'm not choosing. And so if I get to mile 80 of Leadville and I'm absolutely falling apart, but I mm-hmm. keep moving forward step-by-step, step, even if it's really slow, that's a really good life lesson into everyday life, like you were saying, with relationships or jobs and when life doesn't go your way. And so I really find a lot of value in doing hard things. Mm -hmm. Um, It teaches me a lot about myself. It teaches me where I can go and dig into that well and to keep moving forward. And there are some times in life where it's okay to quit. It's okay to stop. You know, maybe you're in physical danger or it's just too much. And um, I talk a lot about this with my audience where you know, I want people to go out and challenge themselves for the very reason of, I think it's going to help us as a society get through hard times. And I think the more people that are outside doing these things, connecting with nature, connecting with themselves, and also doing it in a community um, situation like a race where people at aid stations are helping you out, like that's just regular life. And I think that, you know, it's all comes down to, this is the hippie part of me, it comes down to love. The more you love yourself, the more you love nature, the more you love the community around you, the better we're going to be um, as humans in our communities and where we live. And so, you know, I love, <laughs> as weird as it sounds, I love hitting mile 80 and hitting the wall and, you mm-hmm. know, seeing what I'm, I'm made of, you know, because I've done so many hard things now, just like you both have, that you're like, okay, this is scary. This is uncomfortable. I've been here before. We're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. And that goes with life as well. Mm-hmm. Most situations, you're going to be okay. Take a deep breath, chill out, find a way to take one step forward. Yeah, and I think that that connects back to another sort of 
character trait that you have that's very powerful, which is you make a commitment to yourself and then you keep it. Mm. And that is one of the weaknesses I think we see too often. It's not, you know, we could do everything we do in relative anonymity, but as long as we do it, that's all that really matters. And sometimes we're trying to, you know, either hide from or, you know, want to prove to someone else. But, you know, there's this like, you know, running is so simple that it's sometimes easy just to talk about. But like, if you know, you decide you're going to go run tomorrow morning and it's going to be raining and cold and then you decide not to because of the weather and sort of like, well, worry about what you can control, put on a jacket and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Not that it's raining and cold, like, so what? But that's about yourself, right? Like, are you going to let yourself down? You had made that agreement with yourself. You didn't have to tell anyone else. And so, you know, you've probably found that throughout this. And, and you're right. You know, that's still about if you find yourself at a place where you need to quit, you quit. I mean, look, you know, we've all had that moment. And, you know, you should probably tell people because it sort of is almost good to say, yeah, I'm both committed to and committed to myself and what my intentionality is. You feel like you're getting better at that as you go along, you know, with understanding like what you've done for yourself. And then that really does come through with this authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think I'm getting better at it. And then specifically in this very moment, my most recent YouTube video is where I'm talking about burnout physically and mm-hmm. mentally and how I feel like I've lost my spark. And it's just me sitting on my chair on my office and just talking straight to the audience. And uh, I think people can, we can all relate to this right now with the pandemic and all this, the frustrations of, of everyday life right now and just feeling a little bit blah. And um, I thought it was important to share that story with my audience because I know a lot of people are struggling with it. And um, it's something we need to talk more about because I'm sure you guys were the same when you were younger, but when you're just like, I'm just gonna power through this, I'm gonna tougher through this. And that's the way, that's how you become a strong person is just to never show any weakness and constantly move forward. And I think that's dangerous to a degree. You really have to stop sometimes and take care of yourself. And um, sometimes taking care of yourself means just like chilling out for a bit, mentally mm-hmm. and physically, and really connecting with what makes you feel good. It might be your family and friends or just nature and just slowing down life to a degree where you just, you have time to recharge your soul. And I think this time right now, all over the world, pandemic times, we, we all need a little recharging. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that rise and grind, you know, I'm going to sleep when I die, you know, attitude that, that belief is long gone. I think that, you know, it's still around. Of course, you're going to still see, you know, that in amongst, you know, communities, but Ultimately, in the end, they don't do well, you know, and I think that that message is, 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 is really important to share, if, especially upon, you know, communities that look upon certain people as being strong or, or as, as being capable. And, you know, in monster videos, it's, it's, it's you know, proven time and time again that you, are, that you are capable and that you are doing hard things. And so, you know, but also, you know, I think one of the key messages, Ryan, that you're, you're, you alluded to is that, you know, our capacities are ever changing. You know, my capacity prior to the pandemic is a very different capacity now. And, you know, and it's, it's changing with my age, it's changing with my fitness, it's changing with my, my work life balance. And, 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 and the fact that my 16 year old just got a driver's license, and I'm terrified, <laughs> I'm kind of doing what my mother does with me now with her. 
now she's out on the road and things. Don't so do that, Dave. Yeah, Don't do that. I, I know, I know, I know. But it's just it was like two weeks ago. Give me, give me a month, Joe. <laughs> give me a month. But no, it's. But yeah, I think that there's all these valuable lessons. But the thing with that really, you know, I really like about you know your story, Ryan, is is there are people out there that have a story to tell and a message to transmit that matters. Um, I remember one of our guests a while back, Joe, and I'm not going to mention his name, but, you know, he was telling us the story about, okay, uh, it's Pete Kostelnik, who ended up running from the northern tip of Alaska and southern tip of Florida. And he was telling us a story about, you know, getting a flat on the side of the road. And, you know, he didn't even know that it was a story that really needed to be translated about, about how you you don't sweat the small stuff or even a definition of what a small thing would be. But yet, you know, he didn't have a lot of the skill sets that you have, Ryan, when it comes to translating a message and storytelling that can reach a greater audience because that message matters. And that's what you have. And that's, that's, I, I find that the, the gift that you're, that you're giving the world. Um, and so do, do you feel that, you know, your message and your ability to translate that message is you know, always evolving and changing and adapting. And the thing that you learned last year, now you're using that in order to kind of construct this, this, this story. Absolutely. You know, the way I tell stories is different. The way I personally go into adventures is mm -hmm. different. When things get hard, I think my mindset is different than when I was running high school cross country. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as we get older, I feel like a better a well-rounded human in a lot of different ways mm -hmm. and you know I talk about this a lot on my channel as well Is like when I do adventures when I'm out for two weeks at a time pushing and grinding and sleeping under the stars I feel really connected to the universe and it gives me time to think about what I love and the people who I love and I whenever I come back from an adventure I feel a little bit like I'm reset to a degree where I feel more loving and I'm so excited to see my mom and my friends. And I, I feel like I'm a better human. I really am in a lot of ways. And that's one of those unintended, you know, side, side effects of, of doing hard things, at least for me is like my capacity for love grows every time I go outside and do something hard. And, uh, you know, I love bringing back all those lessons to my life and then sharing them with my audience and sharing them with my friends in real life. And, um, you know, the more I do, the more tender I become, I, I would say, you know, I'm not like this macho tough guy. I've never been that way. Um, but I think that's why people mm. can connect with me to a degree. Mm -hmm. I'm not David Goggins by any means. <laughs> um, and, right. you know, I'm, I'm not judging, you know, what he does because we all bring value to the world in our own way. And I know millions mm -hmm. of people love the Goggins mindset, but that's not me. I have my own way of doing things. Yep. And uh, goes mm -hmm. back to like, you know, talking about video game YouTube channels. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous and like a waste of time, but you know, if you're doing something on this planet and it's bringing value in some way, shape or form, and maybe it's just entertainment, that's, that's okay to a degree, mm -hmm. you know, as mm -hmm. long as you're not like getting kids addicted to video games, <laughs> just like I'm not getting people addicted to being outside. I show a little bit of everything. So it's like, you don't always have to hammer. 
you don't always have to do the hardest, the longest distance races. Just going outside for a three mile walk, you know, can be all you need to do in a day, and that's fine. You know, before uh, we run out of time with you, Ryan, because I think we could probably talk all day. You know, do you have some advice you would love to just give to our listeners? You know, for in both lessons and thinking and just takeaways before we end up with our final question in a minute or so here. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the listeners probably watch a lot of content and follow the biggest athletes. And it's really fun to be inspired by the best of the best. Um, but, and then they're like, well, how do I get to that point? Or what, how do I go there? And I always tell people just to start small. If you've never run before, just start really small. You don't want to burn yourself out quickly. And that goes for running or biking or anything. And, you know, if you find that you do love it, then like, you know, up your mileage a little bit at a time, but don't go out, you know, and say, okay, I watched Jim Walmsley run the Western States. Now I'm <laughs> going to run a hundred mile race. And uh, I've never run before, but I'm going to do this, you know, start small and just, you have to love what you're doing at the end of the day. Like, if you think you want to be a runner and you realize that your body really doesn't like running and your knees really hate it, like maybe running's not for you and that's okay. And find what you do love and what your body is capable of doing. Yeah. If it doesn't, if it doesn't move your needle, mm-hmm. it's not going to move your needle and yeah, find, you know, find what you love and love what you do. You know, ultimately that's, that's, that's beautiful. So, you know, Ryan, you know, you know, you've got a hell of a history, a, a past, you know, you know, everything that you've done in the past has led to where it is now. And, and I can't tell you how many people out there that you don't know um, have started a path that le- has led to wherever it's led, um, as long as it's meaningful to them, um, somewhere good. And so the gift that you keep giving is valuable. And I want to thank you for that. But, you know, you know, the gift is never really ever, it never really stops. It's a, it's just, it's a continual cycle. You receive and then you give and then you receive and, and you give, but what's next? Um, what's, what's, what's next for, for Ryan Dozer? Well, first off, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. I wish I could mm. hang out with you guys right now in real life. You seem like my yeah. kind of people. So hopefully yeah. I get to meet you someday down the road and share a few miles together and conversations. But What's next mm-hmm. for me is um, I was an exchange student in Sweden in 1998. It was my first international experience ever. I'm madly in love with that country. I'm still close with my host family. And I've always wanted to go ride my bike up to above the Arctic Circle in, in Sweden. So I want to start where I lived in very southern Sweden and ride all the way up to the, you know, the top of Sweden. So that's one of my goals this summer. You know, I'd love to do Leadville 100 again. There are some other bike adventures that I want to do. Um, but, you know, I don't plan much ahead. Like I kind of just, whatever happens, happens. If somebody tells me about something cool, I go do it. And I wake up every day and I'm like, all right, let's, uh, let's see what's going to happen. And uh, I go with that. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. So awesome. Well, hope to see you out on uh, the trails here soon around uh, the Colorado area. Keep it going, Ryan. We all benefit from what you're doing, your storytelling, and the way you live. A few more people like Ryan in this world would really make it a better place. So thanks for that. Thank you. Awesome. Take it easy, Ryan. Thanks.
Hey, Dave, Ryan is just one of the coolest dudes. I mean, you know, when you think about it, he's really taken the past less traveled. I mean, literally and figuratively. And I think I'm just a bit envious of the way he's chosen to live his life. I mean, he's the icon of authentic. And his YouTube videos, they're really definitely worth watching. I mean, I'm so happy to have had him on the podcast. I tell you the truth, I've watched a lot of his videos and truly enjoyed them. Okay, well, there you have it. Yet another amazing episode brought to you by our sponsor, Performance Tea. Check out their new Endurance Electrolyte Blends. It's amazing that lemonade iced tea flavor is delicious. You can find them on www.performancetea.com and they've given us a discount code. If you get 20% off your purchase, just use Chasing20 at checkout. We would greatly appreciate a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That'd be awesome. And always a thanks to you, our listeners, for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks very much.